All right, good morning. How are you doing? Uh, yeah, 26 years. If that's twice as long as you've been alive, that's also half my life. I'm 52. I started at 26 at our church. So he's four times older. <laughs> <laughs> Let's do Let some more math this morning. Four more times now. more yeah, older than you are. Um, just a little bit about myself. This is my wife, Priscilla, over there. Married for 27 years. Why don't we do numbers this morning? <laughs> um, still married after, you know, 26 years of merit, uh, um, ministry. Um, two kids. Our older daughter is in New York, uh, graduated from college and working. She's been working for a year now in cybersecurity. And our younger one is uh, just started. He's 18 at Azusa Pacific. He's uh, in a nursing program there. So... Um, which makes us, Priscilla says she misses the kids. I do too, but it's great, you know, having, uh, I cook for the kids, you know, it's like when I'm, not, you know, they're not around, I don't have to cook for them. It's like, hey, it was just, life is so much easier. Um, but it is, yeah, I'm, so 26 years has been a great 26 years. I, I'm really thankful. Um, it was actually very heartbreaking and sad to make that decision, you know, to, to go. Um, I'm taking maybe nine months off, a year off, just to enjoy some time. I, uh, I, I'm an avid hiker and uh, backpacker, so I'm getting into it more. Um, I go to Mission Peak. Previously, I've, I've gone every week or once a week, but in the last month or two, I go two or three times a week. Um, just because I enjoy it, and there's, there's actually a, at least a couple dozen people who are there every day or almost every day. So kind of see each other um, doing that. But I'm building up to the John Muir Trail. I don't know if you've heard that before. It's about, uh, if you add it up, it's about 250 miles, Yosemite, Mount Whitney, you know. And uh, so um, I went on my first two kind of more than one night backpacking trips the last two weeks. So we went to Yosemite for three nights up in the, you know, halfway up to Half Dome. We did Half Dome hike, Clouds Rest hike. Um, and then last week we went to, a uh, friend and I went to Point Reyes for three nights and, you know, went around there. So it's amazing living in California. Um, I lived in Fremont. We lived in Fremont for 19 years. We hadn't done Mission Peak until someone invited us. So, and that got me hooked. Um, I never thought I would enjoy something so much, but wow, I do a lot. And um, those hikes for me, it's, it's great exercise, but... It's also a time of quiet and a, a time with my dog and a time to pray, time to listen to God. And so for me, those um, quiet times, I don't listen to music or listen, you know, I, I, I listened to a book one time and it was like, that totally distracted me from the hiking and all that, you know? And so for me, that hike is um, part of my quiet time, but it's an extended like two and a half hours of time with God. So um, whatever you can find in life that allows you to spend that extended time in quietness, you know, with God, um, do it, you know, it's great. Okay, so being that it's November, I want to share a message on um, basically gratitude. And I want to talk about this story that um, I think you know of from Joshua chapter 4. Um, let's see. Um, it's, it's, the title of this is Reminders. Or what do these stones mean? And um, 
in life, we have many reminders. We have, uh, we, we don't call them memorials like in the Bible, but we have reminders. Pictures are our biggest reminders, whether you, you know, have picture albums or dig digital. Um, we look at these. We have items in our life that are reminders. And um, uh, let, me, let me show you a couple reminders that are in my life. Oh, okay. So when I got engaged, my mother-in-law gave me this watch. Now, Chinese people don't usually give watches or clocks because it's like superstitious, you know. But, you know, they're Christians and I guess nothing has happened. We're still married. Um, but she gave me this watch and this is a nice reminder. It was like, it was, a, it was a nice time in our life when we got engaged. And I don't wear it often, but it's a nice reminder. Um, this wedding ring is a reminder of our wedding day. So our wedding day was... Ah, what a day that was. Um, I wouldn't say it was a happy day, actually, because there was a heat wave in the Bay Area. It was 99 degrees at Golden Gate Bridge. And in the church that we got married at in the peninsula, there was no air conditioning, so it was over 100 degrees. Um, I was just thinking that day, let this day be over with. <laughs> Not because it was our wedding day, but because it was so hot. You know, we're like wearing whatever the tuxedos and all that. And, you know, and um, I remember her. So her uncle, Joseph Wong, her uncle, Joseph Wang, one of the founders of CCIC, officiated the wedding. And uh, we just saw him last night. He's, he's doing all right. He's, if you know, he's had um, kidney, was it a transplant or? Yeah, he's doing all right. And so... On our wedding day, he gave the message from Ephesians 5, and part of that message is, wives, submit to your husbands. And, um, but he didn't, he, he didn't say that. He was teaching wives, do you remember? Wives, obey your husband. And I thought, wow. I, I remember looking over at Priscilla. It's like, wives, obey your husband, you know? And uh, I found it amusing. I don't know if Priscilla did, but... This ring reminds me of that hot day where Uncle Joseph preached about wives obeying your husbands. Um, so, reminders. Um, oh, we have a picture of that wedding day. Do we? You have that up there? That hot day. I don't. Yeah, you know, you, it's the lighting has. My face is oily. It's you know, it's I'm dripping, but it was a, a day that I will always remember because of that. Um, so the Bible calls these reminders memorials that I want to look at this morning. And I want to share a story from the, uh, the book of Joshua. If you want to turn in your Bibles to chapter 4. And Joshua sets up a memorial to remember God's work. I also want to talk about a few reminders in my own life. And they really, you know, they're really symbols and reminders of God's faithfulness, God's goodness. And I want to encourage you to reflect on God's faithfulness and his goodness to you as you look in your life at the different reminders that maybe are around the house or maybe they're digitally stored. So let me read to you Joshua chapter 4, 1 through 10. 10a. Joshua chapter 4. Let's see. All right, good.
When all the nation had finished passing over the Jordan, the Lord said to Joshua, take 12 men from the people, from each tribe, a man, and command them, saying, take 12 stones from here out of the midst of the Jordan, from the very place where the priest's feet stood firmly, and bring them over with you and lay them down in the place where you lodge tonight. Then Joshua called the 12 men from the people of Israel, whom he had appointed, a man from each tribe. And Joshua said to them, Pass on before the ark of the Lord your God in the midst of the Jordan, and take up each of you a stone upon his shoulder, according to the number of the tribes of the people of Israel, that this may be a sign among you. When your children ask in time to come, What do these stones mean to you? Then you shall tell them that the waters of the Jordan were cut off before the ark of the covenant of the Lord. When it, passed over, uh, when it passed over the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan were cut off. So those stones shall be to the people of Israel a memorial forever. And the people of Israel did just as Joshua commanded and took up 12 stones out of the midst of Jordan, according to the number of the tribes of the people of Israel, just as the Lord told Joshua. And they carried them over with them to the place where they lodged and laid them down there. And Joshua set up 12 stones in the midst of the Jordan, in the place where the feet of the priests bearing the Ark of the Covenant had stood. And there they, there they are, they are there to this day. For the priests bearing the Ark stood in the midst of the Jordan until everything was finished that the Lord commanded Joshua to tell the people according to all that Moses had commanded Joshua. So this is the story, the next chapter in the Israelites' lives. Remember, Exodus is the story of Moses delivering his people out of Egypt, um, well, almost into the promised land, right? Moses and that generation was not allowed. So the next chapter of their life in Joshua is Joshua and Caleb that we're looking at. They're crossing over the Jordan into what we would call the promised land or Israel today. Um, And if you have a chance to go to Israel, we've been three times, I've led two groups from our church to go, um, you have to go. To be able to see these places that we study and read in the Bible um, is a must, and it's, it's such a great joy to do that. And so this is the, the, the context of this story. Uh, Joshua, Caleb, Joshua and the Israelites, they're gonna cross over the Jordan, and again, the Lord stops the water, just as he had done in the Red Sea with the Egyptians chasing them, He stops the water here in the Jordan, and they're able to cross. And the Ark of the Covenant uh, is this thing that they have representing the presence of God, is is there as people are are passing them. So it's this great picture. So this is the context. Now, why this memorial? And this is what I want us to, to think about, reflect, learn about, and then examine our own lives to see, you know, what this means in our own lives. So... Why this memorial? Um, 40 years in the desert, right? Before this, they had spent 40 years. Um, the people of Israel, they complained. You know, they complained about the food. They complained of not having uh, meat. Uh, they probably complained about being hot, you know. Uh, they probably complained about everything. Um, but they lost faith in God. And they grumbled and they basically lost faith in God's chosen person, servant, Moses. So they were not allowed to enter into this promised land that God promised uh, his people. The only people that were allowed of the older generation 
were Joshua and Caleb. And the new generation, or the younger generation, I should say, they were allowed to enter. Now, this younger generation would be how old? I'm, you know, 40 years or less, or younger, perhaps. Um, you know, teenagers like yourselves, some of you, right? Um, they did not know of the crossing of the Red Sea. They were probably too young at the time. Um, they didn't know about the hardships back in Egypt. Some of them weren't even born yet, right? So, um, so these are the stories that are being retold to them, right? Uh, I don't know if your parents have told you stories of their childhood or their struggles in life. Have, have any of you, let's, let me just ask the teens. How many of your, the teens of your parents have told you their own hardships or struggles? College, young adult, as a child. <laughs> no, you should hear them, right? You should hear them. No, I'll tell you why. Um, let me give you a couple of mine. Um, my parents came to the United States in the mid-60s. That was a long time ago. And back then, coming from Taiwan, they didn't have very much, very much money, um, very much resources, or very many friends. Money was tight. Um, they only bought new clothes when basically the clothing got holes in them, right? Um, to me, that's kind of unheard of, although I do have a shirt that has lots of holes in it. I keep it for sentimental reasons. Um, but I've never known the hardship that my parents struggle had. I literally, I don't think I've had hardship. I'm keeping them awake. It's okay. It's all right. All right. I, I'm not bothered by other people's kids. You know, if, if that were mine, I'd be really stressed. Priscilla? You know. Um, I don't think I've ever really had hardships on that level. Um, I've never had, not had enough money to buy clothes, to pay the bill, to buy new shoes. Like, there's never been a time in my life where I didn't have enough money to buy basic necessities. Um, my clothes don't get holes in them because I buy new clothes before they do, right? But those are the hardships of my parents. My dad told me in graduate school, he and his um, Chinese classmates and friends, they cooked one big pot of food and they ate it the entire week. Now, I, I eat my leftovers two or three days even, but we don't do that because we don't have enough money and we're trying to save money and this is all we have, right? We do it because, well, it's still good food and you know we do try to save money and we do that. But my dad and his friends, they had to do it because they didn't have much money. That's hardship that I never had to experience. Um, have you ever had Hans Wilhelm come and preach? Yeah, some of you know Hans. Yeah, yeah. So I've known, Hans was actually in our wedding. <laughs> I didn't even know Hans at the time and he was someone who prayed for us in our wedding. But I, over the years, I've gotten to know Hans and Alice very well. Um, Hans was born in China to German missionaries. He, he lived there for the first 19 years of his life. Right? He was born in 1931, which means that he was there during the Japanese you know, invasion, the civil war that happened in China, World War II, right? 19 years from 1931 until he left to come to the United States. There was extreme hardship in China. There was famine at that time. I've never known famine, right? So he told me one time, or he's told me a couple times, um, that... They had a rationing of one, no, 
one egg per day. Yeah, one egg per day. And I was thinking, well, that's a lot. One egg per day. I, I may not even, even eat a few eggs a week. Um, but then I realized basically that was all the food that they had. Maybe some rice and one egg, right, per day. Um, you know, no wonder he likes putting chili and soy sauce on rice, you know, because that's what he grew up eating during this times of famine, right? Um, I didn't grow up in a time of famine. I didn't grow up when basically the estimates of the number of Chinese that were killed in China were more than the Holocaust, right? More than six million Chinese were killed by the Japanese. Um, I didn't grow up in that kind of thing. Um, even during this, our pandemic, the last, what has it been, almost three years, two, two plus years, right? Most people have had their jobs, right? We've had enough to eat. We haven't had a famine. Things have been relatively okay, right? A lot of people have died. And, you know, we all have friends, relatives, and even church members who might have died from, um, from this COVID. But nothing like Hans and what he shared. So these are the stories of the past generation that, you know, that we hear about and we might appreciate and we learn from. This next generation of people that are about to enter into the promised land, into what we call Israel, they don't know that because they didn't live in Egypt. They were too young to experience this. They don't know about the hardships. And in turn, they didn't know about the goodness of God, the faithfulness of God, how God delivered them from all these things. So uh, that's the background of this. So what is a memorial? Let me show you a few pictures of memorials and maybe you can try to guess, or you can take a look at the screen. Look, take a, take a look at the first one. What is that? Anybody? It's an arch, yes? St. Louis Arch, yes, the Arch, Gateway Arch, I think it's officially called, right? Have anybody been there, St. Louis? A few people, yeah? Raise your hands, all right, I, I've been there. Um, okay, what is this arch memorialized, do you know? Yes, Gateway to the, the expansion to the West, right? Uh, or it's, today it's just a fun thing to do, right? But... It's, it's an, it was meant to be a memorial to the expansion into the West, right? Okay, next picture. Yeah. Anybody else? You know who that is? Washington, D.C.? Martin Luther King Jr.? Yeah? All right, have you seen that? Have you been to D.C. to see that? Anybody? Yeah? We were there too? All right. Um, Martin Luther King Jr., I mean, that's an important part of American history, right? Black people didn't have the right to vote, um, to live in certain neighborhoods, to borrow money from banks. Um, you know, that seems like a long time ago, but... It wasn't, right? Um, all right, next picture. Vietnam Memorial. Yeah. Unfortunate war that the United States got dragged into, right? All right, let's try another one. Let's see, that's our daughter, but do you know what that memorial is from? 
close to Vietnam Memorial. Yeah, it's the Korean War. Excellent. Right? Yes. Yeah, we get freedom is not free, right? There's a cost to, to things. Um, all right, next one. I think you might recognize this one from, well, it's kind of hard to see. Yeah, have you been there? Have you seen that? Right? That's a memorial, right? All right, next one. This one you may not be as familiar with. Anybody? That's right. Hiroshima, Hiroshima Memorial, right? Um, if you've been to, where do we go? To the Air and Space Museum that's in Virginia, not the one in D.C. You get to see the, uh, the plane. What was it called, the, the plane that dropped it? Enola Gay, yeah. You know, that was eerie for us or for me to see that plane that dropped these nuclear bombs that, you know, killed innocent people, right? Um, next one. This one is hard to... Um, this is Yad Vashem. This is basically the Holocaust Museum in Jerusalem. So if you get a chance and see it in Washington, D.C., that's a great one. And this one's an amazing one. They've just got a ton more things there at the, um, at, at the uh, one in Jerusalem. So these memorials, right? We may not have memorials in our life, right? But we have reminders. And this is what I want to talk about. There are many reminders that you have in your life. Pictures, right? A badge, a pin from Boy Scouts, Girl Scouts, Awana. Those are reminders. Reminders of accomplishments. Reminders of things that, you know, you've done. A diploma, you know, just a piece of paper, but it's a reminder of your hard work. Um, a reminder of, of your parents' effort in helping you, reminder of many tears that, you, you know, that, that were um, shed because of that. These 12 stones here, they are a reminder of not what the Israelites did, but of God's achievement. And that's the key here. These, this memorial that we see in the Bible, they are reminders of God's achievement, his goodness, his faithfulness, his power, right? His promise delivered for the people of Israel. All right, let's look at verses 6b through 7. When your children ask in time to come, what do these stones mean? Then you shall tell them that the waters of the Jordan were cut off before the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord. When it passed over the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan were cut off, so these stones shall be to the people of Israel a memorial forever. So what do these stones mean? Um... The reality is you can create a memorial, just like the ones we saw here that were around the world. But the next generation will not know what they mean unless people tell them about it. 9-11, it, well, it's pretty relatively fresh in our minds. But maybe 50 years from now, many people will not even know what that is. As surprising as it is to us, right? Um, you shall tell them. That's what God says to them. You shall tell them that God cut off the water of the Jordan River. Right? You shall tell them that the, the water stopped and the Ark of the Covenant stood in the middle of the Jordan River while everybody walked and passed through and across into the promised land. You shall tell them that God did this. Memorials are just objects. We need to tell the stories, the stories of what God has done 
in our own lives. Um, this wedding ring, it's really just a piece of gold, isn't it? But the stories of God's faithfulness to us over 27 years, that's the stories we need to tell. And I'm going to tell you a couple of them today, right? Your stories, the ones that you lived and survived. Maybe it's the pandemic. Maybe it's, you know, getting through a difficult time in school. Maybe it's a financial crisis, losing a job. Maybe it's getting hurt by someone and finding forgiveness and reconciling a relationship, right? You have to tell your stories. Um, here's some of my stories. Uh, my parents, when I went into ministry, I graduated from college and went into ministry with University Christian Fellowship. I was on staff for three years in San Diego. My parents didn't want me to go into ministry. Now, they were believers, they were serving in the church, they were actually in, as involved in the church as anybody else. But they were also immigrants and they also had this dream that they wanted their children to, to do well in life. My mom, um, out of her fear, told me, you will be so poor that your wife will leave you. She said that out of her fear, right? Now, let me tell you a couple of stories that are, I would say coincidentally, but the work of God in our lives. And they both happen on our wedding anniversary. Um, when we got engaged, we got engaged in San Diego. And um, we actually had, um, no, two engagements, the official. So maybe another time. So when we got engaged, we went out to dinner. We went to the seafood restaurant called Rusty Pelican in La Jolla. Uh, I, I don't know. I think it's still there. So um, we ordered our dishes, and I still remember the dish I ordered. Um, I don't remember what we talked about, but I, ordered, I remember what, what I ate, that salmon, and that, that was a good dish. And so we ordered our dish, and we were just talking and enjoying the restaurant, and 30 minutes later, our food had not come. And I noticed across from us the table, um, the food had already come. I asked our server, hey, what happened? And she said, oh, I'm so sorry. Uh, the order was lost. No big deal. So um, we got our food, we ate, and she came afterwards at the end and said, you know, I'm really sorry for that. Dessert is on us. Now, if you've ever been to a restaurant, like, I don't know, if it's Cheesecake Factory where the desserts are like huge, you know, like... Um, these desserts were huge and we were young and we said sure we'll take dessert one each and so we had one one dessert each and we were pretty happy it was like great it was celebrating um, you know something important now fast forward eight years to our seventh wedding anniversary we were living in Fremont and we had our daughter who was two and a half years old yeah okay we went to another seafood restaurant called um, Market Broiler. Is that it? Market Broiler. All right? And um, now our daughter was two and a half years old, and we were celebrating our anniversary. We were super happy. We ordered an appetizer, calamari, that Priscilla always likes. We ordered two adult entrees, and we ordered a kid's meal. I don't know why, but, you know, we did it anyway. So the calamari came out. And um, we were eating it, and then after a while, Gwenny, our 
two and a half year old. She got kind of bored. She wanted to see the fish tank. And so I walked her over. She was looking at the fish tank and the fish or whatever. We walked back to our table and they had taken away the few pieces of calamari. And her daughter, I can still remember her, looking there around for the plate and saying, row, 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 row. You know, it's like, where's the meat, right? And so I told the server, uh, you know, can you get us a, just a few more pieces of the calamari? Because there were, you know, we weren't done yet. And she was like, oh, I'm so sorry, you know? So they came back with a second order of calamari. So we ate that all and wolfed that down. And we had our entrees. And then we realized, oh, the kid's plate had not arrived. And uh, we were pretty full at that time. And Gwenny, you know, she's two and a half. She's like eating off of our plates. I mean, the two calamaris, that already stuffed her, right? So the server said, oh, um, oh we told the server, you can just cancel the kid's plate. Um, so the manager comes by and goes, you know, folks, I'm so sorry to hear what happened tonight, you know, about the appetizer and about the kids, you know, plate. I'll tell you what, dessert is on us. Now, yeah, I mean, at that very moment, I was like, wow, yeah, this is happening again. This is pretty cool. But we were also eight years older and we actually had a lot of food and we didn't actually, we were too full. So, so he just said, oh, you know, it's okay. We're pretty full. It's, it's fine. He walks away. And then when he comes back, he says, you know, again, I'm so sorry for what happened. You know, really sorry tonight. Um, dinner is on us tonight. And I'd like to give you these two gift certificates so you can come back again. <laughs> We were just blown away, right? I remember driving home and thinking, you know, God must really love us, right? On our wedding anniversary, you know, kind of the dessert is on us, you know, and then giving a free meal, you know, I'm, I'm always a sucker for free meals, you know. Um, but God's goodness in our lives, coincidentally on the day that, you know, we got married, or, yeah, engaged or got married. Um, these are reminders. One more. Also on our wedding anniversary. Our 10th anniversary. So we are still, we are living, we've been living in Fremont actually all these years. And we had this dining room table that I had in San Diego before I got married. My mom bought it at a swap meet. It wasn't a bad table. It was a nice glass table. You know, I really liked it. We had been using it for 10 years of our wedding plus, or marriage plus, at least a few years, two, year, two years. So it was at least 12 years old. And my mom says, um, you know, why don't you go buy another dinner table? I'll, you know, I'll, I'll pay for it. And so um, we, it happened to be Memorial Day in, um, in May, or before Memorial. And there was a Memorial Day sale at Macy's. So we went to Macy's. And we saw a table that we liked. I negotiated a better price off the discount. Yes, you can do that if you talk to the right person. And so it was set to be delivered to our house, right, in like a week. A week passes, nothing happens. And week, two weeks passes, nothing happens. And so I called up, you know, them and said, hey, what's going on? And he goes, you know, it, it's like stuck or something or whatever. It's, it's coming. It was about three weeks late and it arrived on the exact day of 
our wedding anniversary. Um, and yet again, and here's the picture. Oh, I have to show you the picture. And here's Hans and Alice. That's our, that's our table that we got. You know, is it a coincidence that it was late? It, was it a coincidence that it arrived exactly on, on our, you know, our wedding anniversary? You know, these are reminders. And we still have this table at our house. Um, a reminder of God's faithfulness. Um, it's just a piece of glass. It's just some wood, wood chairs. But the stories behind them is the story of God's faithfulness. The reminders in your life are the same, right? You have items, you have things in your life, you have digital pictures. They're just pictures, they're just pieces of leather, they're just pieces of paper until you tell the story of what God has done. You know, my mom telling me at the age of 21, your wife will leave you one day because you're so poor, right? Out of her fear, these are the reminders of what God says in response. I will always provide for you. Um, point number two. Um, there's a second memorial in this story if you read carefully in verse nine. So let's look at verse nine and verse 10. And Joshua set up 12 stones in the midst of the Jordan in the place where the feet of the priest bearing the Ark of the Covenant had stood. And there they are there to this day. So if you have your Bible and you're looking at this, what God told Joshua to do was take the stones from the river out of the river and place them in the place that they would stay that night. And then later in verse 20, um, they were to take them with them to Gilgal. But here in verse 9, it says that Joshua set up 12 stones in the mist or in the middle of the Jordan in the place where the feet of the priests, you know, stood with the Ark of the Covenant. So it appears that Joshua set up two memorials, one in the middle of the river and one that the one that God told them outside, out of the river, right? So were there two memorials or were there just one? So when you read commentaries and you want to look at this, you know, there's different interpretations. So some people will say there was just one memorial, Right? The same stones that were in the middle of the river were actually moved out, um, that were just there temporarily, and they were moved out. But if you read through this passage, the more straightforward reading actually is that Joshua set up a second memorial in the middle of the river. Right? So um, let me share with you what it might mean if there were two memorials here that Joshua set up a second one in addition to the one. Um, the next slide, I think, has a picture of the stones in the Jordan. Yeah, there we go. Okay. Um, I think it's the previous one, verses 9 through 10. And Joshua set up 12 stones in the mist. Yeah, this one right here. All right, we see kind of 12 stones in the middle of a river uh, representing that, right? Um, the first metaphor that this could represent if, if Joshua had set this up is that the Bible tells us that those who do not put their trust in God, like in the Old Testament, or those who don't put their trust in Jesus in the New Testament will perish, right? The generation of Moses and that generation did not get to go into the promised land, right? They perished in the desert. But the new generation did. Um, what, what the New Testament tells us is that there will be a judgment day one day 
just like judgment day of, you know, going into the promised land or not. And for those who put our faith in Christ, you will pass that judgment day. That's a possible reminder of that. Um, the second thing that this could represent is that it's interesting that Joshua would put the stones in the middle of the river because we, we assume that the water would return. And when the water returns, you wouldn't be able to see these stones again, right? Unless there's another drought or there's another thing like this. Unless, yeah, there was a famine. And so perhaps these stones were a reminder to the Israelites that in times of famine, right, a drought, when they see these stones, they would remember that God saved them one time and that God would save them again. And I think that's a good reminder for us as well, is that in times of trouble in our life, it's good to go back to these reminders in our life, right? Whether it's a wedding ring, whether it's a table, whether it's you know, a picture, or whatever it is that you have, to remember what God has done in your life. Um, recently, two families in our church, just these last three weeks, literally, the dads died of cancer. Um, their kids, one family had two teenagers, they're both in high school, and one had one, or daughters, they're all daughters, one had one daughter, was also in high school, they're good friends. Um, within the same two weeks or three weeks, both dads died. You know, the, these are like difficult times for these, these two families. What do you say to them? You know, it's like, what do you, how do you comfort friends when they face tragedy and face something so difficult in their life? What do you tell them? Um... I'm not sure, frankly. But I can tell you of my own story. And again, I don't have a, a reminder or a memorial necessarily of my dad. But my dad died of cancer as well after 10 years of facing cancer. But what happened during those 10 years is really the story that is meant to be told, not the cancer part. My dad was a Christian, became a Christian when he was a young adult when he came to the United States. He served in the church. And he went from kind of the normal person who attended church and served in the church to becoming an evangelist because of his cancer. He shared, his, he shared Christ with a ta you know, taxi driver on their trip to Europe. He shared Christ with um, his Kaiser doctors and surgeons. He shared Christ with a friend that he played golf with who was gay. I was so surprised actually that my dad actually had a golfing buddy who was gay. You know, I underestimated my dad's, I don't know, um, whatever you call it, but you know, his friend who was gay, he shared Jesus with this friend. You know, the cancer is the tragedy, yes it was, and it was extremely difficult, but it was God's work in his life that is the story that I continue to share today. God changed my father's life over these last 10 years of his life for the good. That's what I'm thankful for. Point number three, 
In this verse, in verse 7, it says, So these stones shall be to the people of Israel a memorial forever. How can it be, I think there's another one, how can it be that these stones will be a memorial forever? Nothing lasts for, forever unless you go to Egypt and see the, the, um, the pyramids at Giza. Those are amazing things. Those will probably stand the test of time, right? More than anything on earth. But how do these stones, how are they a memorial forever? Because I think you can go to Israel and these stones won't be around. They're gone. But they say, it says they will be as stones forever. Um, a memorial, again, is just an object until you tell the story. You tell these, the story of what these stones mean. What has God done in your life recently, in the past week, in the past month, in the past year? That's your story. How has God been good to you? How has God delivered you from whatever trial that you had, whether it was health, whether it's school, whether it's finances, whether it's raising children. God has done great things in your life. He has been faithful, he has been good, he has been kind, he has been forgiving, merciful to all of us. And we all have reminders of these things. These things don't last forever, but their stories do. Tell your story to others. Not of what you have done, but what God has done. These memorials are the achievements of God. And we need to tell those stories in our own lives. Let's close in prayer. God, thank you for your faithfulness, your goodness to us. Thank you for uh, this month in November where we can uh, slow down and, and express our, our thanks for all that that we have in life, and we've, we admit we have so much. Um, and we thank you for that. And I pray that you would help us to enjoy the, the month, the cold weather, the time off, the vacation, days off from work and school, and celebrate together. Celebrate the life that you've given to us. Celebrate your provision uh, for us this, this past year. Thank you, God, for being a God who loves us, a God who delivers us, a God who is good and faithful. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.